All right. Good morning. Welcome to church. I hope everyone's having an awesome, awesome Sunday or whatever day it is of the week if you're watching this online or listening to it. We are coming once again to the second in our series on a series on loneliness because loneliness is a rampant issue in our lives these days, especially since COVID, since people have been isolated and uh, cut off. There are a lot of, that are not coming back to church, but they're fully capable of doing it. And uh, loneliness is a big issue. And God speaks to us and how to deal with loneliness. And so this morning I like to call this kind of message a transformation message, that we are not just here to uh, receive the message from God, but to actually take what we learn, apply it to our lives, and allow Christ to transform us, and specifically this morning, to have our lives transform, transform from that area of struggling with loneliness to the freedom that salvation in Jesus Christ promises us. So loneliness. It's an emotion that all people go through to, to some extent, right? A little bit or a lot. But loneliness, contrary to what many people may believe, is not necessarily bad. Now, if we think we're lonely, we think that's a bad thing, right? We all struggle with it. We hear the country songs. We hear all of us songs about loneliness. We think loneliness is a bad thing. But you see, loneliness is an emotion. It's an attitude. It's a thought process that is much like a fire alarm or a car alarm going off and telling you and I that something in our mind, in our heart, in our thought process is wrong. And that we need to deal with it, we need to fix it, because if we don't deal with it and fix it, it will only what? It will get worse and worse and worse. Loneliness needs to be dealt with, but it also needs to be dealt with in the right way, and that's where we go to the Word of God. So you see, loneliness isn't wrong because a fire alarm in our house, anybody have fire alarms? in their homes and we put them there on purpose and when they go off like the battery gets low they're very annoying right and they you're just like oh just shut that thing off but we put them there so that annoying noise goes off that if we're doing something and we're sleeping when that alarm goes off we wake up because we realize something is wrong and we have to take care of it loneliness is that kind of outlook in life that when we are struggling especially with chronic loneliness there's something there that needs to be dealt with and needs to be dealt with quickly. Now, oftentimes people run to all kinds of things to deal with loneliness. They do exercise, diets, hobbies, alcohol, drugs, even other people. Loneliness tends to draw other lonely people together in misery, right? And the issue is this. All those things, there's nothing inherently wrong with them. They have a place, but they are like most medications. They are a band-aid on the problem. They treat the symptoms of loneliness, they appease for a short time, but they don't actually fix the problem. And especially for Christians, when we deal with loneliness, we need to get to the core issue of what is going on, and we have to deal with the problem, but deal with it in the right way, and that is we go back to the Word of God, not our worldly thinking, we go back to the Word of God and we say, Lord, how would you have me to deal with this? What would you have me to do? And what we have to realize in that is God's way is often radically different than whose way? Our, way? Our ways of choosing to do things. Because we get to choose how we want to deal with them that fits within our nice area of life and, and, and we rationalize and say that's okay. But God wants to confront the issue just like he confronted the issue of sin in our lives and salvation that we have to deal with that in that issue of sin to come to salvation, you have to repent. You have to admit that you're a sinner, an enemy of God. Repent and ask God's grace and mercy upon us and to come into our lives as Savior. 
loneliness is very much the same way. Now last week we looked at the verses with the Sermon on the Mount, and there was one word that kept popping up in the Sermon on the Mount as Jesus is speaking to the people. And do you remember what that word was? It's a four-letter word. It's not a bad word. It's a four-letter word. It's a good word. It starts with a G, ends with an E. Okay. We have some work to do here. Christy's going, gone. Give. The issue of loneliness is often dealt with by our giving, which sounds really odd because when you are a lonely person, you are not in the mood or the attitude to what? To give. You're like, somebody needs to give to whom? To me. I'm empty. Somebody needs to pour into me. I don't have it to give out. But Jesus gives us a different way that we are to give. St. Francis of Assisi was a monk who lived from 1182 to 1226, and he wrote a very famous prayer that we heard this morning before church. And that famous prayer was turned into a song by John Michael Talbot. And I think he has it right. So here's this monk that spends his entire life in solitude, which most of us would call loneliness. But he was content in his godliness to do that. And as he sought the Lord and sought to allow God to speak through him, God gave him this beautiful, beautiful prayer on how to confront and deal with loneliness. And here's some of the words from that that poem. He says, Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Now we hit a confrontation wall right there, don't we? Because again, when we're lonely, we're asking for someone to do something to help us. And St. Francis of Assisi says, no, to overcome loneliness, you and I have to make ourselves instruments of God's peace and bless others. It fits right in with that word give. So he writes, Lord, make me an instrument of, of thy peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, let me sow pardon. Where there is doubt, let me encourage faith. Where there is despair, let me give hope. Where there is darkness, let me shine light. Where there is sadness, let me bring joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console others. Not to be understood, but to understand others. Not so much to be loved, but to bring love to others. For it is in giving, it is in giving that we what? We receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is a dying to self that we are born to eternal life. Those are actually extremely encouraging words. And so God's way of dealing with loneliness is not to be in that self-absorbed of you come to me but instead, we go to others. We give. Exhortation number one last week, we talked about this word give in the Beatitudes. By the way, if you want to turn with me to Luke 6, we'll be digging in there in a minute. Exhortation number one, remedy number one last week of, of three remedies to deal with loneliness is to give. And to give ourselves completely to the Lord. And in a real simplified fashion, what that does is it gets our eyes off of us and our misery and our loneliness and our self-absorption, and it puts it back on God. We sing the song and we read the verses about God is the lifter of our heads. And when we are downtrodden, 
our heads tend to hang low. But when we look up at the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, our Savior, our, our heads are lifted up. You see, we have to get our eyes off of ourself and making ourselves our universe onto God and make him our universe. So the first exhortation, the first remedy that we looked at last week is when you are feeling lonely, when that loneliness alarm goes off, realize there's something happening. And like in a fire, instead of stop dropping and rolling, we got to stop, lift our heads up, look to the Lord and say, Lord, I need to come back to you. I need to pour my heart out to you. I need you to fill me to overflowing. Lord, I need to give myself completely to you. Which as a Christian sounds weird because in salvation, what were we supposedly doing? Giving ourselves completely to God. So what does this tell us? That giving ourselves to God, this process called sanctification, is an ongoing process. And the reality is, even as Christians, in this ongoing process of sanctification, of giving ourselves to God, there are those times that we can pull back and have the focus on us not on God. And that's where the loneliness alarm goes off. Now, remedy number two we deal with this morning. Not only do we need to give ourselves completely to God, but number two, we need to give love to other people. We need to give love to other people. Let's pick up in Luke chapter 6, verse 27, where Jesus is speaking to us again. And we easily have, re have read over these words in the past and not allowed them to impact us. But this morning, as we read these words, Luke 6, starting with verse 27, allow them to speak to you to say, hey, what change needs to happen in my life? God, what would you have me do to give myself completely to you? And we read, but I say to you who hear, well, there's a separation right there, right? This is only for those who what? who hear, who listen. There are others who are there hearing these words of Jesus, but it's like the static noise or having the TV on in the background. It's going on, but you couldn't remember what was going on, right? Jesus is saying, I need you to pay attention. I need you to focus. I need you to listen to me. This is for those who hear. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Whoever hits you on the cheek, give him the other cheek also. And whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. And just as you want to treat people to treat you, treat them in the same way. Now down to verse 38. Give, and it will be what? Given to you. But what needs to happen before it's given to you? You and I need to give. Give and it will be given to you in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. They will pour out into your lap for by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Now this passage talks about God's love and when we really dig into it, it's a challenging little section of verses, isn't it? It's very confrontive in light of the worldly way of living because it talks about the love of God that is the agape, the unconditional love of God that's not based on what you can do for me or what I can get or, or how I want you to behave. It just says, no, I love you, period. There are no conditions. There are no expectations. There are no demands, no desires, not, none of this, you do it this way. 
It's I love you, period. You see, that's where the love of God first entered our lives. That's where the love of God first had an impact upon us to make us respond to his message. Because when Jesus first loved us, we were in a state of sin. We were rebellious. We were enemies against God. We were fighting against him. We were putting ourselves on the throne of our lives instead of him. And Jesus came and said, I love you. What a strange thing to say to an enemy, isn't it? What a strange thing to say to an enemy. Then it tells us all about if they, you know, treat you miss bad, you know, bless them. And we look at Jesus as the example himself that when he was being tortured and, and whipped and, and spat upon, he never opened his mouth back in anger, did he? He never came back and threatened them or cast insults upon them. In fact, upon the cross, once again, some of his last words were, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Agape love is Christ-like love. It's the love that we need to grab a hold of to give before we receive. Now, I don't know, do you have any people in your life that you just really don't like? That you have a hard time getting along with, that they just kind of, as they say, rub you the wrong way? I think about this and it challenges me because when I have someone that comes against me or lies about me or backstabs me, my first thought is not to love them or to bless them. How about you? My first thought is actually to retaliate and when they strike me on the cheek to give them the double fist right back on their nose, right? That's where our mind goes to. Revenge, retaliation, vengeance. You hit me once, I'll hit you twice. You threaten me, backstab me, I'll take you down. And here the Bible is so counterculture because he says, God says, I don't want you to do it that way. I want you to live a different way. And this all ties in the issue of overcoming loneliness, whether you believe it or not, and we will get there. The issue with this in treating others with this agape love and giving to those that come against us or just flat out giving to others around us, they don't even need to be our enemies, has to come from God because we cannot do it upon ourselves. We have to do it with the moving of the Holy Spirit. Romans 5 verse 5 says this, the love of God, whose love? God's love. The love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given us. So you see, we when we love in this way, whether it's our enemies or even those just around us in our household at work, when we give these blessings, this love, it's not love based on our own power, our own strength. It's based on the love of God that is poured out within us and given to us through the Holy Spirit. It's supernatural love. It's supernatural giving. It goes beyond what we can understand. And it goes beyond what the world can comprehend. Now here's the challenge about when our loneliness alarm is going off. When we are lonely, we lose sight of as Christians what we're here for. We lose sight of what we're here for as Christians. 
You see, in salvation, if salvation was a one-and-done thing and it was only about being with God, you know what would happen the most of the, the very second, the moment of salvation? It was all about just being with God. Boom! We would be transformed instantly, and as soon as we accepted salvation, we would be gone and with Jesus, if that's what it was all about. But salvation is about more than just being back reunited with God. Salvation is about God being able to make us useful, as useful instruments to spread the gospel message to a hurting and dying world. You see, there's more to salvation than just reuniting in relationship with Jesus Christ, with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. It's an ongoing transformation process of we come to Christ, we give him our all, and then we enter that process called sanctification where God transforms us to live in his image. And part of that is to make us useful to be the very love of Christ. We've said it before over and over again that sometimes you and I are the only Bible someone may ever read. You and I in our actions and our thoughts are here for a purpose to bring the gospel, the love message of Jesus Christ, the salvation message of Jesus Christ to a world in sin who like we, who were once enemies of God, are enemies of God now. But when we are in loneliness, where does our mindset go? Right here, right? It's about me and my hurting and my loneliness and my need. And that's where God says, you want to get out of loneliness, you need to give. First, give yourself once again to me. Let me be the lifter of your head. And then give yourselves to other, others. And remember the very reason you were purchased with a price in salvation. Not just to be reunited with Jesus Christ, but to be transformed by him. To carry on his ministry, his message, his love to the world to give to others. I don't think Jesus ever met a human he didn't love. Now, he may have been frustrated with some, like the Pharisees and religious leaders and some of the others, but I think there was still love for him. In Mark chapter 10, verses 17 to 31, is the story of the rich young ruler, a man who loved riches more than he loved God, but he was a very moral man by the world's standards. He did a lot of good. And he wanted to inherit eternal life, the eternal life that Jesus was talking about, but not to the point of giving up his love for money. He was so attached to that financial gain that he couldn't get beyond that. When Jesus says, go and sell all your possessions and do what? There's the word again, it's coming up, you know what it is? Give. Give to the poor. Give. And the Bible tells us that the man walked away sad, lonely, because he couldn't give, he remained in his loneliness, his sadness. And the Bible tells us that this, tells us this, Jesus looked at this man and felt the love for him. Jesus still loved him. He confronted him and he said, hey, young man, you have all these riches. I've blessed you with because all good things come from the Father of heaven. We really don't earn all that we have. They're given to us from God. And then Jesus says to inherit heaven, I want you to sell all your possessions and give. And the rich young ruler, what? Couldn't give. His mindset was only, I can receive, I can get, but I cannot give. 
And because he could not give, he remained in his sadness and his loneliness. Do you see the math in God's kingdom about giving and receiving? There are those people in life that are hard to give to, right? I call them EGRs. You ever have any EGRs in your life? They're extra grace required people, right? EGRs, extra grace required because it takes God's grace for me to love them because I'm not doing it very well on my own. And like the rich young ruler, that's who God calls us to minister as well as those around us. We read about Jesus in another passage in Luke 9 about he is traveling and he is coming through Samaria and the Jews as a nation at this time hated the Samaritans, right? They would go around the city of Samaria to get to where they were going so they would not be unclean. And as they're coming into this city of Samaria to take this shortcut through, they have to go through Samaria, and the apostles are like, hey, let's go around, let's skip this place. And Jesus says, no, we're going through Samaria. And the mindset of the apostles, because they were still in that transformation process, was like, no, Lord, we are like mortal enemies. They are like, like second-rate people. And Jesus says we're going through there. And then when he sends some messengers in there, and they are rejected which often happens when we reach out in love, right? We're rejected. What did Jesus do when that rejection came? He said, we're still going through Samaria. And they came back, they were rejected, and a couple of the apostles got the great idea, which is very humanistic thinking. They came to Jesus and they're like, Lord, do you want us to bring fire down from heaven and what? Destroy the city because they rejected you? Isn't that our thinking when someone rejects us or wounds us when we offer them love man I just want to bring fire down from heaven and consume you and Jesus says this in Luke 9 51 to 56 which should be a verse of transformation in our life Jesus says you do not know what kind of spirit you are of for the son of man didn't come to destroy men's lives he came to save men wow that's a transforming verse isn't it here the apostles are thinking they're doing the best thing to project Jesus, protect Jesus because the Samaritans have come against them. Jesus is coming through there to love them and to bless them and to speak to them, to bring the gospel to them, to save them. The apostles are like, Lord, you want us just to destroy them? And I can relate with this a lot because in my humanistic nature, when someone wounds me or comes against me, I feel like that too. And Jesus says, do you know what spirit you are of? I didn't come to destroy men's lives. I came to save them. And one of the purposes that we have been placed on this earth post-salvation to continue on doing is to bring the love of God to other people, to those around us, to those we work with, to those in our home, even those who are hard to love. Again, the goal of salvation is not just to be reunited in holiness with God, but it's also to carry on that message of Christ. And when we get lonely, we lose sight of that purpose, don't we? I like to think of it this way. As long as you continue waking up in the morning 
even if you ache and pain and moan and groan when you get out of bed, even if you roll your eyes like, oh, I just want to stay here, it's so nice and warm. As long as given you life, God has given you life and breath, you and I have a purpose, a ministry, this coming day until Christ takes us home. And that is to share that gospel love. We can't lose sight of what we're here for. But when this loneliness alarm goes off in our life, we need a real remedy because our focus is on whom? It's on us. Our need, our hurting, our loneliness. We want others to come to us. And we're like, I don't have enough left to give to go to others, which is a totally true statement. When you say that, you are absolutely right. We need the moving of the Holy Spirit in our lives to give to others, don't we? Because we truly are hitting rock bottom and we can't within our own power and initiative give because we don't have anything to give. We need God's Spirit to move within us. As he says, he gives us the Spirit to overflowing to transform us to be able to give. That's why the first remedy for getting over loneliness is giving ourselves completely to God so he can fill us once again to be able to do that miracle which is incapable for us to do, which is to give to others. That life is not about me. It's not about nobody ever comes to see me, nobody cares about me, nobody befriends me, nobody even knows what I'm going through. It's about allowing God to fill us, giving ourselves to him first, and then giving in Christ-like fashion to others around us. Philippians 2, verses 3 to 4, has another life transformation message for us as Christians. Philippians 2, 3 to 4. We are told, commanded, encouraged to do this. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each one of you regard one another as more important than yourself. Well, that's life transforming if we can do it, right? When we are lonely, we are selfish. We are filled with our own conceitedness because it's all about me and my hurting. And that's where we give ourselves to God. We allow the Holy Spirit to move within us and we give to others, regard them as more important than ourselves. Do you know this, this simple, truthful fact? It's hard to realize when you're lonely and that alarm's going off. But there is always somebody out there in the world more lonely than you. Always. Especially for those who don't have salvation. And God gives us that ministry of reconciliation, that we have the ministry of God to go and reconcile others to Jesus Christ so they can share in the joy and the love of Christ also. In that we find that we have purpose and when you and I have purpose and God allows us to share in that that changing of people's lives and getting the focus off of us and giving it transforms us doesn't it because now we have a ministry we have a purpose we we are doing something our, our God esteem our self-esteem is given back because we are useful not only to God but to others and it gives us a place of honor. I read a story about a lady who she was quite elderly. She'd lost her husband. She had no family left. She was alone. She was a shut-in. She couldn't physically get out to go to church anymore. She couldn't get out to see her neighbors or anybody anymore because she was so physically struggling. 
And she came to a place one time in her life where she was extremely lonely and she cried out in prayer to God. She said, Lord, I'm so lonely. No one ever comes over to see me. Nobody ever calls me. And you know, I'm out of flow with the church so people don't really know me or care about me or come and see me anymore. And so it's just so devastating, Lord, to live my life shut in, alone, by myself. But then she went on and said, Lord God, I know you're not done with me yet. Because if you were done with me, then I would be with you and you would call me home. And so, Lord, I know you will have something for me to do to help with how lonely I am. She prayed that prayer several times. And as she did, she felt God impressing upon her to pray for other people. She couldn't go see them. She couldn't visit them. She couldn't do things for them. But she said, you know what? I can pray for them even as a shut-in here. I can have a reason, a purpose. And she began to pray and intercede for other people and to encourage other people. And then she felt God impress upon her to get a hold of the church that she used to attend. And she got a church directory. And she began not only to pray for those people, but as she prayed for them, she got a bunch of notes and a bunch of stamps, and she would write encouraging notes to them and send them out to people she had never met, had never known, who were in the church directory, that as God led her to pray and intercede for them, she would write these notes of encouragement to them. She was still shut in. She was still by herself. But suddenly she was doing something. And you know what happened? in her life as she began to intercede and pray for these others from the loneliness of her own home as she began to send out encouraging notes to people she had never met first thing that happened was her phone began to ring people began to call her and say oh my gosh that note you gave me those encouraging words you don't know it but it was just what I needed to hear that has touched me so much I want to thank you people began to call her send her notes back, even come and visit her. As she poured out her love for other people, suddenly her loneliness began to melt away as people came to her. But do you know what she had to do first? She had to center her heart towards God. Say, Lord, I know you're not done with me yet. What would you have me to do? I have limited resources, I can't get out, but I know you've made me useful for something. God spoke to her, and then she began to give herself to other people in the only way she could. And as she gave, God began to give back to her and changed her life. Remember last week we made the simple straight statement that we've all known and as we've grown up, but we don't like to deal with? If you want to be a friend, or if you want to have a friend, let me get this right, if you want to have a friend, what do you got to do first? You got to be a friend first. The Bible talks about the principle of reaping and sowing, that we reap whatever we sow. And if we sow, if we plant seeds of woe is me, poor me, I am useless, I can do nothing, guess what we're going to gather as they grow up? 10, 50, 100 times that same seed. Now, seeds aren't much. They're little, they're small. But if we begin to plant seeds of encouragement, of giving, of blessing, 
of pouring ourselves into others, of interceding in prayer, as we plant those seeds, what will we begin to reap? 10, 50, 80, 100 times that when it comes due in its season. The Bible's very clear about the, the reality, the law of sowing and reaping. We reap, we harvest what we sow. And if we stay centered and self-pity and self-conceit and expect everybody to come to us, oh, we're going to grow a crop. But it's a bad crop, right? It's not good. If we want to change that, we start planting seeds of encouragement, of intercession, of prayer, of blessing others, of giving out of what God has given to us, whatever big or little that may be. And when that crop comes to harvest, it's a beautiful, bountiful crop. 1 John 4.19 tells us a very simple statement. Again, this is a life-changing verse. This is one to memorize. Because it says that we love God, and do you know why we love God? Because He first loved us. Jesus set the example. If you want to get out of loneliness and that alarm's going off saying, hey, something's wrong spiritually, if we want to get out of that, we can't wait for others to come to us. We have to give out. Jesus sets this example because he says, we can love God because God first loved us. And the equation of that verse does not change when it comes to our lives and ministry to others. We can be loved by others. Do you know why? Because we have first loved them. We have taken the initiative not to expect them to come to us, to minister to us, to meet our needs, but we have reached out to meet their needs, to minister to them. And because of that, we will receive that love back. Does it make sense? God's math? We can be loved by others because we first have reached out and loved them. Luke 6.35 tells us, Love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. The Lord wants you to give receive. He wants you to plant seeds of giving, of encouragement, of intercession, of blessings to others so that you may reap that crop much, much more. You see, when we are in that attitude of loneliness, that self-focus, it's not others who are the problem, but we usually tag them as having the problem, right? Who is it that has the problem? We do. And just like in repentance, we need to take ownership of that and give that up to God and say, Lord, take that away. Fill me with your presence. Fill me with you and help me to give as you have given to me. You've set the example. Help me to be Christ-like and to give where others won't. To give before I expect others to give to me. God has saved us, not just to reunite us in relationship and reconciliation with him, but also to minister in his image and his name and that means giving to others in that agape love, just as Christ did. Loneliness hurts, doesn't it? But here's the gospel truth. 
not dealing with loneliness in God's way hurts more and hurts longer, doesn't it? When the alarm of loneliness goes off, we've got to realize that God still has a purpose for us. But when that alarm goes off, there is something spiritually wrong in our attitude and our out view of life that we have taken our view off of God and onto ourselves. And we need to do something very, very, very unnatural. And that's first give ourselves to God and then give ourselves to others. It's not an easy task. But here's the truth. Sometimes God calls us to do the hard things, doesn't he? Jesus did the hard thing, the hardest thing I can ever think of throughout history. And sometimes he calls us to do the hard things too, so that we are so unlike the rich young ruler who could not give. But we can give, and God can bless us. What God has for you and I is an abundant life, a life full of joy, a life living to the fullest, a life with no regrets, a life with no self-pity, a life that gives as Jesus did. And that's where God calls us to give to others. So two things I want you to do this week. First, make sure that every day when you wake up, you are giving yourself 100% to God. And number two, if God allows you the blessing of waking up and getting up out of bed every day and doesn't take you home, then God has a purpose for you to be Christ-like to others, to give to others. Now, don't just do the low-hanging fruit, the easy stuff. Tackle this issue if you're struggling with loneliness and give yourself in even the hard ways where it doesn't feel natural, where you second-guess and wonder, is this should I really be be being this vulnerable to other people? Do that because God will bless you in that. When the loneliness fire alarm goes off, it's not a bad thing. It's just a warning that we need to deal with our attitude and our emotions and our own lives in God's way to being loved, to receiving the abundant life, to having all the good blessings of God because we have first given unconditionally as God gave to us. Make sense? Simple, easy task this week. Go out and serve the Lord and serve Him with all your heart, your mind, and your soul, and serve others as well. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time to be with you. We thank you that your words are sometimes challenging to us in our life, that, Lord, we can read your verses and skip over them, but when we really settle down and listen to them, they transform us, they change us, they, they confront our worldliness and our selfishness, and they transform us to be to being a people of giving, of loving in your image. Lord, help us to be givers. Help us not to be the rich young ruler who could only receive and take, but could not give of all his immense riches and wealth. He, he could only get. Help us to give in your image as you have given to us. Not with the goal of getting back, Lord, but with the goal of serving you knowing that you will answer and speak to our hearts and bless us as we serve you, obey you, and live in the agape love you have transformed us with. To you be all glory in Jesus' name.